Welcome to another episode of Sober in the State Soccer. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Nashi. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing great, mate. Yeah, doing great. I'm, all, I'm still a bit thrown off with the whole MLS scheduling. I've been over in the UK for a few weeks now, and it's it's messing my head up with the, uh, the timing. The games aren't until sort of 1, 2 in the morning, so I'm, I'm taking it slow today, so hopefully I can stay up for a big late-night marathon. But yeah, I'm excited. Excited to be on a, another episode with you guys. Now you get a whole new perspective on what our listeners have to go through, right? Because they have to stay up every single week and watch this stuff. Exactly. It's all about relatability, mate. So I'm, uh, I'm in the trenches too, so seeing both there sides. There you go. Well, this week we are joined by a very special guest, one of our first uh, kind of supporters when we were back doing the YouTube channel. Uh, it's Mike. He's from Germany. He follows the MLS very, very closely. He's been in it for o- over a year now, I think. How are you today, Mike? Yeah, hi Chris, hi Neshi. Uh, thanks for having me. By the way, um, everything's fine from my side, and I uh, hope I can give you some insights from Germany, who doesn't look at uh, MLS guys uh, games at all. Doesn't or for one year ago, I haven't known one guy playing in the MLS, but it was uh, one hell of a year. I can already tell you that. Yeah, you definitely got into it and you have gone into it pretty hard. You're starting to get some super rares, which I love to see. You've got some really good super rares as well. Got some really nice rare stacks. So just tell us kind of, you know, obviously you started just blank slate, never having known MLS at all a little over a year ago. Tell us kind of what that journey's been like and and kind of how you've learned about the league. Uh, sure. So it was one year ago. I think it was, I started playing on 21st of September and um I'm not into soccer football at all. So um, I stumbled. Uh, so I would say I'm a little bit of an investor, uh, amateur-wise. And I stumbled about uh, on, on about Soria on a page called finance.com. And there I saw an article. I think it was the second venture capital round for Soria. And they raised approximately 300 million, which is uh, then... Um, I think the, the capital of the total, uh, so the total value of survey would have been 4 billion. And I saw the main investors there and it was uh, two Germans. And uh, so uh, I think Oliver Bierhoff and Andre Schürrle and then Griezmann and Piquet. And I thought, okay, let, let's have a look. What, what is that about? Then I read about it and I saw, okay, it's yeah, Ethereum based and uh, in my uh, portfolio, there is nothing crypto wise at this point of time. And I thought, okay, maybe this is something to look at. And then I, I said, okay, just, just invest 200 euros because I then looked up and uh, read some comments and they said, yes, 200, 300 euros and you're done because uh, you get uh, you already with that, you can earn some capital back. And I thought, okay, let's, let's go for it. But I already made the very first uh, mistake because I didn't use any referral. So I just set up an <laughs> account and just simply bought players without any knowledge at all. And um, then I saw, okay, the, the European ones are very expensive. So what can I buy else? And I said, okay, the, there is, for example, MLS. And I picked up two or three guys there. For example, uh, I think Michael Nelson, without knowing anything about him. So he was playing for Houston. And I saw, okay, he's uh, two or three games, the last two or three games he played, buy him. And this is more or less my strategy one year ago. And this is how I started. And 
the very first thing I did then was um, watching some YouTube videos and the best or the, the ones I like most have been yours, Chris. And I'm really missing those, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's he, a, that's said, a... he was going to say the best and he was like, no, no, no. The ones I like the most, not the best. <laughs> the ones I like the most. <laughs> He's very, very careful with his words. Yeah. So that's incredible. So you came in completely non from the football side. It was purely an investment sort of exploration for you coming into so rare and what initially was your thought process because i think that a lot of people have come to so and that's always a debate how much of an investment versus fun roi etc what were your initial sort of instinct towards the platform from sort of an investment perspective what were some of the things that you thought that turned out not to be true and some of the things you didn't find out that you found thought to be true sort of from the um, investment side more than the game or the soccer side so there's this discussion about uh, either you, because the limiteds have already been there. And um, the question was, do you go for the threshold team or do you buy some limiteds? And um, back then I should have uh, paid for some uh, Ajax guys because this would really have paid off. But then I said, okay, because I wanted to keep my investment down. I said, okay, in the beginning 200 euros is not enough. Let's go for 500 euro. But uh, later on, with 500 euros, you, you just can't uh, buy a, a really good uh, threshold team at this point of time. And therefore, um, my so it, I wouldn't say I haven't finished my investment yet. Now I'm pretty confident that uh, it should be enough because uh, normally if you build a portfolio, it should be a certain uh, amount of it. And you say, okay, maybe 10% is crypto or 15% or is crypto and uh, which was good i didn't invest it uh, at once so i got to you simply if you start and you don't know anything about surreal and you don't know anything about soccer don't go all in at once so i really learned a lot for example yeah i started with the i think it was back then it was um then the playoffs already or nearly nearly um, close nearly started exactly and I bought a little bit of the playoff uh, players then. I went into Portland uh, and in Philly. And uh, then I think it's, it's a journey. You should, in the, what I learned in the last uh, half year, uh, now I think I'm learning not that much anymore. A little, I know a little bit my way around. But uh, I think you, need, you have to invest time and money and the time is the essential thing you nearly i would i would recommend half a year so that you get your you know your way around i don't know what we want to talk about but you have to know power trader for example and uh, you have to know um, yeah, for, for sure how, how to trade and uh, what uh, the for example how specialist works uh, which players to target and uh, it's it's a journey really but um, in short, to answer your question, I would say, first of all, if you do it from an investment point of view and you're not a fan of any, any teams or squads, then dedicate an amount of your portfolio to it and um, start with a small amount and then just build up. And I think half a year of a time frame is, is a very good thing. You come in with that sort of fresh perspective and that's, that's cool to hear. And do you think that from what you've learned now, do you think the, the best way are you approaching it from like a trading type of view you think that's the best way to get a return chris is a big trader very good at it are you looking at the gameplay to try and win rewards and you bet the optimal teams 
in that sense. What's sort of the way you're approaching it now, now that you've sort of learned the platform a bit, you see it sort of a bit more knowledgeable eyes. How are you going about it? The thing is, I'm a player as well. So this is a little bit uh, uh, conflict with my investment thing because then I would just, uh, it's, it's rather easy. If you buy MLS players right now, sell them in February, done, uh, as investment point of view, best thing. But I want to play as well. And therefore, it's always a struggle. And therefore, uh, I'm, I'm trading. And if you're trading and you're not knowing those players that well, so you, you aim for a player. And if you want to trade him, you always lose a little bit. Because I'm not holding them until they have the best value and sell them. Uh, I use my players and say, okay, I know now, for example, I'm targeting Hani Mukhtar and I want to have him. And then I'm going because it's really an issue if you want to sell all the rare cards. And uh, therefore, you always look for Pavel Trader or the other bigger traders. There are three or four Superus Mane, uh, for example. And uh, you have a look. Do they have the players you want? And then you have to trade for it. And you always lose a little bit. So therefore, your, um, your portfolio is decreasing, but you're getting the players you want. And I think I spent now eight or nine months of getting the players I want. And currently, I would say I'm in a pretty good shape. And there is no player I want to have right now. And now I can start investing, which means I'm buying cheap players, young players, and hope they they can uh, then next year do the the jump to the main team and then really get the increase in money and then I can do a little bit of investing. So I get first the player side uh, satisfied more or less and now starting the investment and hopefully I can handle that in parallel. So I'm looking at your your portfolio here, your your gallery, and it's almost exactly a copy of what I would do and what I would want. <laughs> Like the amount, the rarities, the players, they're all very like even the, the countries that you have been looking at, they're all very, very similar to what I would want. And I know that we kind of worked a lot last off season and trying to get some of those younger, like undervalued type guys that were going to try to break out this season or that maybe didn't have great seasons last year that we thought could be better this year. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about obviously you did that last year and you did it pretty well alongside myself. Uh, tell us a little bit about your plan for this year and how maybe you're going to change some, a few things. Maybe you're going to keep a few things the same. What, what's kind of the, the overall plan here moving forward? Um, so currently I hope for one or two or three rewards, hopefully, but um, just waiting for playoffs to finish. And then there will be a little bit of um, time in between because I haven't focused on any world championship players. But I already made some preparations. I wanted to start early. So I have one team from the Chupala Pro League, which will be starting. I think the first um, first match will be 23rd of December. Uh, and therefore, I want to, to uh, really start pretty early after the World Cup to play again. And, and the, the first American teams that are playing once again, not the American, so it'd be the Mexican ones, they start mid of January or even early January. So I already made preparations to be able to, to do some, field some uh, teams there. And uh, currently, I think I have one uh, rare team. So I can decide if I want to go for threshold or if the team is really that good. So I can try going for cards in American. And I have two limited uh, teams there prepared as well. So I can be a little bit, I can do a little bit of gaming 
so I don't have to wait until until March. The next thing is um, hoping that Orlando is um, able to win against Sacramento, and then I get a champion. Uh, so it's a Champions League team, and uh, in addition to that, I already prepared an, an Atlas Guadalajara team uh, limited. So that I have one because they're playing the Champions League as well. So I have those two teams, uh, which are then involved a little bit more early than the regular MLS start. So you're really planning ahead here and doing it very strategically. You're almost already scouting fixtures ahead of time and planning out your teams for that. And I have a lot of envy because I always think to myself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down next week. I'm going to plan out a few game weeks ahead, see what I'm going to do. And I get lost in the weeds. I never end up doing it. And I think we all go through that thing. But it sounds like you're very disciplined in pinpointing your strategies, even sort of these short-term to mid-term investments. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see myself do more of that. Chris, you're probably more in tune with that, with your sort of trading strategy and stuff. Uh, Is that pretty similar to sort of how you're approaching things? Yeah. I mean, we've already started... Uh, most of my MLS purchases for next year are probably in the bank. I'll do some some trading. If some guys get hot at the end of the season, I'll trade them off and use that money to go and buy other guys that are low. But like a lot of my, a lot of the super rare collection is pretty much done. Um, I might go for one more goalkeeper potentially, but a lot of that stuff is already pre-planned and already done for next season um, because I want to be ahead of the curve and not, you know, wait to the end of the, the very end of the season when everybody thinks the lowest price is going to be. And so everybody starts buying. And so it's not actually the lowest price. Um, so I am just trying to be ahead of the curve essentially on this stuff. And I'm kind of, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised there's not more world cup hype. Like I haven't really seen some of the world cup players get purchased very often. Um, and their prices aren't really going up and we're getting pretty close to the world cup. We're what two months out, a little over two months away from the first game. So I don't know. I mean, if you're planning on playing the world cup, I would get those guys absolutely right now because their prices is still pretty low. Um, but if you're fine with, you know, either you have enough guys in your gallery to cover the world cup, or you're just fine with not playing the world cup. Um, then I, I guess you could, you could go ahead and wait. But if you're, if you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to, because I don't think people really realize that all of football is going to be off for a month and nobody's going to be playing Sora for a month. I went like two months in the MLS offseason without playing and I broke down and bought an Atlas stack because I, I couldn't not play for two months. This is going to be a full month where nobody's playing. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of panic buying of the World Cup stuff. Uh, so I, I already have most of my guys. Are you playing the World Cup at all, Mike? Or are you just focused on after the World Cup? So uh, I have a theory on that, why, why there is no World Cup uh, hype right now, because uh, Soraya released the second leagues. And uh, I think they, they took a lot of money. And I got a theory because it, I, from my point of view, this was really not professional. So they released second uh, league with one week's notice and they don't even have the leagues ready. So my theory is they need the money. And for what, I guess, for the EPL. I think they made a bit. And uh, now they have to get the money fast. And this is because they're rolling out teams left and right and the whole second league. Uh, this is my theory. And therefore, there's a lot of money going in there. And uh, therefore, I guess the World Cup hype is coming, but uh, it will be, as you said, panic buying them. 
but uh, I will skip it. So this is simply too unpredictable. What I, I think I have Aaron Long and I have Christian Roldan, those two guys, but just preparing one uh, whole team that is playing uh, in the same time frame is, is uh, I think, way too much. It's, it's yeah. uh, too pricey and it's too risky for me, so I skip it. Well, I think one of the things from a gameplay standpoint, it impacts people holding off now. And like you said, like when you're looking at, we don't know what these World Cup prize pools are going to come out. We don't know what kind of cards they're going to give away. I think it could really go away. It could be a complete dud. If there's not the prize pools don't align with the hype, then from sort of people playing even for fun or for an ROI, they're not going to pay the price for these players. But I can also see it going another way, and it'd be interesting to see, I guess, you guys' perspective. Say they came out with these beautiful USA national team cards of these players, special edition prizes for the World Cup, and they're giving them out left and right at all scarcities. Same with the German national team, really cool cards, only can win them in the prize pools, et cetera, et cetera. Would you, I guess I'll start with you, Chris, with the US ones, would you start to change your mind about, actually, I might have to splash out for a team Obviously, be with a heart, but I think there's a lot of emotion tied to national team, national pride with these tournaments. And I think that if they do it right, it could absolutely send things into a fever pitch kind of thing, but they could also do it wrong. So I think people are kind of waiting out. So this is exactly what I'm banking on, right? People love their national teams and you're going to see, I think you're going to see that kind of thing. Um, I don't know exactly how it looks, but I think you're going to see some prizes that people just have to have, and they're just going to start panic buying everything, which is why I'm prepared ahead of time. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised more people weren't kind of trading the same way that or thinking the same way that I was, because if I'm so rare from their perspective, the World Cup is going to put all attention for the entire sports world on to football. And this is the biggest fantasy football game in the on the planet. That's a massive, massive opportunity to onboard a bunch of new users. They could throw out like referral rewards. They could throw out like sign up and get $200. They could throw out, you know, anything to get as many people who are going to be hyper-focused on, on football. Because uh, even in Europe, like there's a ton of people, like the club scene is great, but even in Europe, everybody in the entire nation is paying attention to the World Cup. Even in the United States, everybody in the entire nation is paying to the World Cup. I think that's a massive opportunity for so rare. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it could be a dud. Like it could just be, you know, if they keep the normal same structure that they typically do for like very small game weeks and have very little prizes, there's going to be no incentive for anyone to really buy World Cup stuff, which I think a lot of people are thinking that's what's going to happen. I'm just seeing if I'm so rare and I'm running this business, there's no way I'm not taking advantage of the World Cup. There's no way I'm not taking advantage of all those people's eyeballs. And I'd be like sponsoring the world cup, I'd be all over everything, like marketing everywhere to try to onboard everybody, because this seems like just a golden opportunity for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, that's why I'm kind of invested in the world cup. What about you, Mike? What do you think that, uh, that Silver does with the world cup here? The thing is they have the ambassadors like Mbappé, who's definitely on the world cup team and will, uh, they will try to have, um, from a marketing perspective, they can't skip it for sure. But the thing is, um, from an investment point of view, when I say, okay, what do I do with it? Uh, it's pretty dicey because um, you, you need to build a team. And how do you build a team? Because at least the, the goalkeepers, they are the best of the world. They are pretty expensive. 
And um, for me, they, if, I, if I spend the money, they have to fit in my strategy. And this is pretty hard, really, to, to build a team that is working after the World Cup as well, because uh, you have two choices. Either you just buy World Cup players and hope to sell them for profit, or you say, okay, I take part in some competitions and want to use them later on as well. So therefore, um, not an easy answer, but I, I told you before, for me, it's, it's a skip. I have some players, but I will definitely not simply buy more to, in the hopes of that I, like I can make a profit on that. And um, team building is really very hard, especially with the rotation, because then I want to have some players that are playing. Uh, if I want to, to uh, um, buy the guaranteed ones, would be like uh, Joshua Kimmich for Germany, by the way, way too expensive. Uh, I have some American players, but uh, they are the forwards are the issue. Ex very expensive as well, but then, then later on, I can't use them for MLS. And therefore, it will be very interesting how the, let's say, the community will um, will just jump on the World Cup and say, okay, money doesn't matter. And I buy a team, whatever the cost. And because you, you should be stacking there, I guess. You should say, okay, I, I take one, you, my national team more or less, and, and uh, buy five players from that and hope they start. Because if you start um, stacking two or three only, then the issue is with you have to, first of all, uh, get through the schedule. Say, okay, are they playing in the same game week? Because this will impact a lot. And uh, there's way, way too much to consider, at least for me, to say, okay, I, I will go into the World Cup and try to fill the team. So um, when, when I have some, but I only have two or three players, so I guess I will skip on that. But uh, it will be really interesting how the reactions are. And I think academy-wise, I can, because I have two or three limited, so I can use. So maybe it's academy is the way to go there. Absolutely. Well, yeah, do you think that, so you've talked about, we talked about the World Cup there. You mentioned the Premier League. And I find it interesting that you're approaching Sorsora as not exclusively an investment because you've been sucked in like the rest of us into the gameplay a little bit. But from sort of, if you're looking at Sorsora as an investment, you're thinking, you know, the company's success is sort of tied to your own investment success some to some degree. What's the one thing that would get you most excited? Do you, do you think the Premier League is the thing to take it to the next level? Or what would you like to see them do if if they could sort of, listening now which i'm sure they are um so so rare needs uh, steady growth so therefore for the next two or three years i would say at least um, because then uh, when there we have some stagnation then it's always a little bit tricky how that will work out because the company have to, has to be profitable this is manageable because they are minting player which costs them nothing so therefore money is there uh, but um, the second thing is the prices. So if you have the manager sales, you need somebody, okay, when you put the player on there, you need somebody who is um, then not just waiting for an auction to buy it, but is, it says, okay, I, I'm buying some, something on the, on the second market. And uh, this market, I think, is uh, not the auctions, but the secondary market is the, the most important for Soraya. And uh, not only Surya, but players as well. And as long as this is going on, and currently I would really say maybe a little 
if they could hold off of some cards would be beneficial because currently it's really a, a buyer's market. Um, you have the, the star players, their prices are fixed more or less. There you can uh, ask for anything, but if you just go one tier down, so even for tier two, you can you have a buyer's market you can you can wait you can you can haggle a lot you can yeah, chat on discord and normally you always get a discount and uh, maybe they can adjust on that a little bit so because of the, um, my job i have a little bit context with data science so it should be pretty easy to really check with all the hairy so the historical data they have to work out a strategy that works out for the long term and um, currently we are still in the ramp up phase for sure and therefore uh, Surya is allowed to make mistakes from my opinion because i'm into the software business uh, they are doing not that bad there was this uh, twitter about yeah insider trading and so on and so on uh, and yes this is it's a new company and they have to learn they have to adjust quickly and uh, what they really could improve is communications. But from my point of view, they are doing a, group, a really good job, especially yeah, with the, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And it's, it's just a good insight. We don't usually sort of get too general about SoRare, but I think it's such a unique experience you coming in from an investment only sort of strategy. That I hope the listeners like to enjoy that. Are you ready to move on to the MLS, Chris? The, uh, the bread and butter? Oh yeah, podcast? baby. I know you I've been waiting. Games, you got a lot of opinions, so I think it's about that time. Oh yeah, I've been waiting for uh, for a while now because I was actually off. Uh, we play Pittsburgh plays at Loudon today, so I uh, don't have a game to go to, and I got to watch pretty much everything because they were all kind of right in a line for me, which was beautiful. So we'll start off with the first one, which was Dallas and Minnesota. Dallas is kind of a problem team, like. They've got a really good defense and they don't really concede very many goals. And that front line is starting to come together and starting to look like the front line that we thought it might be at the beginning of the year. Ferreira, Velasco and, uh, and Ariola are really good together. And then legit is kind of starting to chip in a little bit as well. Dallas is one of those teams that if they get hot, I don't want to play them at all in the playoffs. Minnesota is another good team. They've got a really nice spine uh, to their team as well. So I think that was very indicative of what we might see in the playoffs kind of more of a cagey match dallas yes the scoreline was three nil but dallas scored three times in five minutes so it really wasn't you know dominant one way or the other it was a very cagey um could have been a very you know could have been a one nil dallas win uh if some things had broken differently so yeah i'd i'd, I'd love to see both of these teams doing well uh one thing to note with minnesota franco fragapane is uh suspended now two games because he got a, a fifth yellow card early in the match, which is a one-game suspension, and then he got a second yellow during the game, which is a red card suspension. So he will miss two matches if you have him in your team. Uh, I know you're a, you're a Fragapani older. I saw Robin Ludd in the gallery there, Mike. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you like Minnesota. Yeah, it's not that I like Minnesota, but um, yeah, I started – I think uh, Robin Ludd was the first one I bought last year. And because he was very consistent and uh, I got him for a good price and I just kept him in the gallery and he was a forward back then and switched now, I think is a defensive midfielder, but um, now doing so there was a time frame which was not that good and score wise because this is the only thing I care about and um, now he's picking up once again and uh, then I always have issues with the forwards so 
Uh, I went with uh, Tachomi. Uh, it was one of your recommendations in the very beginning, but he hasn't worked out, so I have to shift a little bit and uh, get to Fragapane. And uh, yeah, got him for three games now, which uh, so the, the last three games were not that good as well. And now the biggest investment I made was Reynoso because I thought, okay, this, he is going straight into my A team. And therefore, by the way, if you want to know how I am following the MLS games, by the way, yesterday I was watching US Open Alcaraz on, on TV and in parallel always have the server data app open. And then I went straight to bed after the red card and the first goals for Dallas. <laughs> but this is normally how I follow the MLS games. So always server data and then the push notices. And then on the day after, and uh, when MLS is releasing the summaries on YouTube channel, and I have a look at those. And um, this is all the, the live television, or not live, but uh, all the, the coverage of the uh, games that I watch. So you're, you're obviously a very data-driven type of person. You're not really looking at, you know, eye tests or anything like that. I just happened to, uh, to purchase a Will Trap here, and he had a, obviously a nice game yesterday. Tell me why, and that was a super rare. Tell me why I'm crazy and or insanely brilliant for that move. Again, so you are the expert, so you should tell me because <laughs> <laughs> this is not something I can tell you. I wouldn't have bought him because it would be for me a little bit too unsecure. So I think he's a defensive midfielder and uh, yeah, not that young anymore, hasn't done that good and in the last yeah i would even say year and not i don't know his prospect so i think you can really make a profit selling him in february or march for sure but um from a, so the super rares i buy if i say okay it's a younger player and uh, and he he has high ceiling and uh, really could help me winning cards then on the uh, yeah america pro or all-star pro and uh, therefore, I would have uh, skipped on him. But uh, you, this was not the only super rare you bought, right? No, I've got a bunch of super rares, and I, we won't go through all of them. But uh, Will Trap was kind of an interesting one because I think he has not had a great year. Uh, he's typically he's not really your profile that you're looking for in a super rare. Typically, he's more of that like fifty-five to sixty every day type of guy. He doesn't really have big scores ever. Um, but he also very rarely gets decisives. It's all AA. So if he ever does get into decisive, like he does have a 95 uh, in one game. So I'm I'm more looking for like that. And he's also very, very cheap right now, uh, which was kind of in my budget. So that's why we're going with him. But yeah, I, I think he's more of the, you know, set the baseline at 55 to 60 type of a guy. Uh, hopefully he has a little bit better year than he had this year. He had, he had some a poor stretch there in the middle and got hurt a little bit, uh, but he's a quality player. And he's only 29. He's not old. So, I mean, I'm 28. He's not old. I'm 29. <laughs> I'd say about them sort of CDM types, them uh, sort of all around guys, they, they do actually work a little bit better as super rares than in sort of the limited or sort of all-star divisions where there's so much competition that they might be useful. So if you can churn a 60, even in sort of a D3 a 60 out of a super rare, it keeps you well in contention, sort of if your rares and your other players really go off. So then players, just to back you, back up your purchase there as the uh, as the co-host, then players <laughs> do tend to perform pretty well as super rares. So I don't hate that purchase. He's 
he should be a starter, I'd imagine, sort of the next few years in the MLS. I don't see him going oh, yeah. elsewhere. So he's kind of a stable for a cheap little pickup there, $92. I mean, that's a uh, that's a sushi dinner these days in LA. So that's that's a good good little investment, I think. I don't think that's a bad buy all. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm targeting. Like Jackson Yule, Will Trap, uh, even Ryan Raposo, the forward that I picked up, is the same type of way. And you talked about Dahomey not working out. And Dahomey has been really, really, really bad this year. And even before Caicedo got hurt, they were starting to bench him some. And now Raposo's coming on, so they're benching Dahomey again. Uh, and I I don't know who's going to play between Raposo and Caicedo once Caicedo comes back because he is a very, very talented player. But Raposo gives me that 50-ish, 50, maybe touching 55 on an AA. Um, not really ever going to score decisive. So he's, he's more of like a left wing back. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, for being a forward, I don't think that's horrible. And then I got my, my Aaron Herrera, which I think is going to get me some decisive. So that's kind of where I'm going for the differentiation. But, um, yeah, so that's more planning for next year, which I guess we'll get into a little bit later on as well. Back to the games from this week. Uh, Chicago and Columbus. Now, your boys needed a win there, Nashi, and they were kind of time-wasting in the 85th minute. Do you have any thoughts on that? It seems like the players, the management – have accepted the fate that they're not going to get there this season. Shakiri, they went 2-0 down a week before. Shakiri sort of subs himself a couple of weeks. They, he subs himself off uh, going down with an injury, but it didn't look anything serious. But it was kind of like a telling moment in Chicago's season. It seemed like Shakiri had kind of given up on him. And then it just feels all around the place a little bit like that. Um, yeah, this game felt like that too. He put out... a. Uh, I mean, they've had, they've got a few injuries. Shakiri was on the bench. I don't know what that means. Maybe he still is recovering. But yeah, like you said, it's on in a vacuum. Uh, nil nil away at a dangerous Columbus team isn't the worst result. But in this, given the circumstances, you'd expect a lot more sort of gun ho. They with not much to lose. A, a win yeah. could give them an outside chance. A, a draw or a loss is almost the same. They need to pick up a lot of points quick to have any sort of chance here. And uh, yeah, it just was a bit disappointing. It just feels a bit like, yeah, the fires, the fires out in Chicago, excuse the pun, but um, <laughs> I've been waiting for that. I've been planning that one for months, but, but yeah, it does, unfortunately. So it's a bit disappointing, but um, on, from Columbus's point of view, they've been on a good run. I, I almost with a team that Chicago started with, I'd expected them probably to, put the game away earlier to win that game too. So that I wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be too too happy on either side. I think it was just a bit of a, a nil-nil, a loss for the fans, a loss for both sides will come away not really happy with it. But yeah, I think Chicago's done. So we'll uh, look look forward to next season with the, with the DC boys. Well, I think Columbus kind of got their chances and had some really good chances too. And Gaga Slanina just stood on his head and made some unreal saves. Um, so kudos to him. He picked up the hundred and so rare, which is now possible, I guess, for goalkeepers. So, uh, completely different from what I'm used to, like a, that kind of performance would have been like an 80 and now he's, he's rolling up hundreds. So it changes yeah. the dynamic a little bit, but, uh, I are think, you, uh, I think, I think so rare missed a trick with a goalkeeper hundreds. There should be like some sort of ceremony or award or something that they send to a goalkeeper if he manages a hundred, because it's not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Like Jan Sommer rolled up a hundred without even getting the clean sheet against Bayern. 
Yeah, you but he saved that? about 58 shots. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. But yeah. It's true. So what, what do you think about Chicago next year? Because obviously we're going to start looking at teams that are a little down or a little, you know, couldn't quite get it figured out this year. And one of the profiles I like is a team that has it locked down defensively, which Chicago clearly does, and they just can't score because scoring is the easiest thing to fix. You just buy one or two good players and all of a sudden off you go. Whereas defense, it's taken Cincinnati four years to figure out how to play defense and they're still kind of only okay at it. Um, so what do you think about Chicago moving forward here? Who's who's kind of the guys that might get replaced and who are the kind of stalwarts that you would be picking up for next year if you're trying to buy low? I mean, it's hard to be optimistic, like you said, after the last few performances, but I actually am deep down about Chicago. Chicago losing Gargas Lanina most likely for next year, which is a loss. I mean, he's he's not the finished product yet, but he's a he's a really talented goalkeeper and he's made some saves like the other day that have kept him get picked him up points this season. So goalkeeping positions important. And in the MLS, you can see some sort of suspect goalkeeping at times. So that's a big position they need to fill. Their back line. It's pretty solid, and the way that they play under Ezra Hendrickson is defensively minded. Like you said, they have got a decent amount of clean sheets. Rafa Shehos in the defence has been an absolute monster. He's the captain, he's a leader, and he's been brilliant. Carlos Turan, young player, and I've been really impressed with him. And I probably won't be doing the trading like you guys are, but he's someone who, as a fan, I'm really excited for next season. He's really athletic, really strong. And he's improved so much throughout the course of the year, which you want to see. Um, two fullbacks are solid. But I think the key to Chicago's defensive stability is Fede Navarro. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. He's He is what he is. He's chipped in with a few decisives on Sore this year, but that's not really his game. I don't think you can expect that. But he's an absolute animal in the six. He. He's one of them players you watch and you know he loves making a tackle. He loves he takes it personally if someone's got the ball within 20 yards of him who's not on his team. Mm. He's just like a terrier in there. And as a fan, you love that. And he's really, really been a brilliant uh, piece for Chicago in there. And I think he's almost so good that another player that I like in Gaston Jimenez has kind of, I think it might be his time to move on. He's a very classy player. He's like a Rolls-Royce in the midfield great passing range. I have nothing bad to say about him. I, I I think he's played well when he's played this season. But with Navarro in there and then Shakiri in front of him, he almost, you don't really need that profile, you know? I think you could give up a bit there as a DP spot and then get a real out-and-out goal-scoring striker because Casper's just not doing it. John Duran bags a potential, but he's not in that level yet. Will he stay? Will he not? There's been some drama there. He's one to definitely watch out for if he stays. Um, Brian Gutierrez, another one for next season from Chicago. So there's a lot going on. Obviously, Chris Mueller's going to be there. Shakiri, Jairo Torres never got going. You almost, as you talk about it, you realise there is a lot of good pieces there. The one position, I'd make sure you bring in a good keeper and I'd switch out Gaston, Gaston Jimenez's his DP spot and get a quality striker. And I think Chicago will be dangerous next year. Might be rose-tinted glasses, but what, what do you think sort of about that? 
So I want to I want to ask Mike here. Do you know who Chicago's sort of kind of backup goalkeeper is? Who's not a backup, but is gonna play probably next year? Uh, could be Chris Brady, but the question That's is the one. Be, if he if he's too young and they bring in somebody else because. I speculated on buying is limited and there's a lot of speculation ongoing. Uh, question is if he's really up to it and they provide him with a chance or they say, okay, no, we need somebody experienced because if we can start with the, with the gambling, what about Tyler Miller? He is, uh, well, I would take Chris Brady over Tyler Miller. Who was me. <laughs> Tyler Miller is just like a solid goalkeeper. Chris Brady is Gaga level. He's the same age as Gaga. Like, the scouts that I talked to liked Chris Brady more than Gaga Slonina before they were both, you know, in the full team. So yeah, I am super excited to see Chris Brady take over with a defensive minded team. He's a great shot stopper. The questions are about his distribution. So he's probably going to rack up some decent points on so rare for Chicago. If they are a defensive team being more under pressure, um, I am, and he's obviously still U 23 until 2028. So I am, super excited about Chris Brady and I think I honestly I don't think the goalkeeper spot misses a beat when when Gaga leaves next year um so hopefully that's some some good news for you there Nashi that uh that your boys might be still be okay in the in the back end yeah no he's 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 obviously very talented he plays for the U.S. uh youth teams he's got a big potential it feels like it should be though in Chicago they've kind of committed to Bringing in Shakiri, Shehos, who's 31 as the captain, you feel like they're trying to win now, if that makes sense. And sometimes in their management meetings, the scouts and the youth team coaches, they don't really, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I wonder if they will bring someone in. I'd love them to give Brady a shot. And it's almost making me FOMO and want to buy one of his cards now. You're talking about it. But you never quite know. You never quite know what they're thinking there. But I think either way, if he's the worst case scenario, quote unquote, that's something still to be optimistic about, isn't it? I mean, Chicago's playing an 18-year-old goalkeeper right now. It's worked out pretty well for him. So if you got another one, you might as well just run him out there, you know? Uh, next game from yesterday was Philadelphia against New York Red Bulls. And my God, Philadelphia is just so good. Like, I, I know you've got a lot of their guys in your team there, Mike. Uh, they're deep. They're talented. They're scoring goals. They're not conceding anything. Like, where's the weakness in this team? Like, who is there anybody that's going to stop them for uh, in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs? Yeah, unluckily, I don't have uh, a lot of them. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I have the defensive stack only, which is not that bad. So I have Blake and Glasnes. Uh, and uh, the thing is, they are playing about what I expected. Uh, and above what I expected, sorry for that. So there is simply, uh, I don't know exactly why Caranza is now uh, scoring left and right, because this is a little bit um, without any, uh, and I wouldn't have expected that for sure. And then you have Bedoya, he played the last year as well. And I had a really good look at uh, last year's playoff team. Yeah, he, he was yeah, average, I would really say. So I, I'm really, bit, really a little bit surprised. So I think it's just the team is working. It seems this is really, you don't have the individuals that stand out totally. It's just they have a working team. And interesting thing would be if they can keep them because I had a Kyle Wagner already. 
and uh, I traded him for uh, for Morales because uh, there's a lot of talk about him leaving and the question is what about the others and if you leave uh, then after the playoffs if you lose one or two keystones this team could really fade next year so it will be interesting uh, as the, the dynamics right now are really good but nevertheless it really depends on the so the first playoff game uh, really interesting uh, who they are playing because it's not a given that they will, will they will win it really is a one day thing and they don't have the one player that stands out that can decide a game and if they are facing for example nashville then it will be really tough and i don't know if i really would bet on philly so that's interesting. interesting um so yeah i mean nashville's in the western conference so they wouldn't play until the final but yeah okay. that's an interesting interesting kind of point there about it just kind of being one day and sometimes you just need those difference makers. I mean, Julian Carranza has been a difference maker for this team. Odore has been a difference maker for this team. Jack McGlynn off the bench has been a difference maker for this team. And you talk about them losing players. They lost players last year. They finished second in the East, I think, last year to one of the best teams in MLS history in New England. They lost Jamiro Montero, who was the main creative force in that team last year. They lost Casper Shabilka, who scored most of their goals last year, although we, we have our opinions about Casper on this show. <laughs> um, he was still an important player for them, and they just went out and replaced them with Ure and Carranza, who are almost better. Uh, you're you're 100% right. Kai Wagner, I think, is going to leave. I don't. I think this is his last season in Philly. Um, but the rest of the team, I mean, Jack McGlynn's probably going to get transferred out over the winter uh, to a big team in Europe. Um who else they lose? Bedoya could retire if they, especially if they win uh, the the MLS Cup. He could go out on a high. I mean, outside of that, most of this team might stay. Andre Blake is probably going to stay. Most of the defense probably stays. Jim Curtin's just a really, really good, solid coach. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what what Philly does not only this year but next year. And I think they're really, really good. Have you watched much Philly here, Nashi? Do you have any opinions on them? Yeah, I was going to say there the. It's kind of funny hearing you talk about it because, like, it's a what uh, Mike's saying out there about they don't have any kind of star jump off the page players. Maybe Wagner is one, the only one. Whereas, like, and it's kind of a blessing as well as a curse because although that's a problem on initially, as you think, like you're now saying, it's kind of less likely that one of these guys is going to get picked up by a big European team or look for that next move because they're kind of the top level of mls but not quite the level that you they're almost ready for another step and like maybe for longevity and consistency that's not even that's kind of part of the trade-off than having a couple of these star guys that you might as the summer comes around be worried to lose in and i imagine if you're trading a lot like a bit of reliability consistency is kind of important because there's got to be players in the mls pool now that have done really well this season that you might start getting a bit worried about. They might get transferred out. But when I look at a lot of these guys uh, on Philly, I, yeah, like you said, I wouldn't, I don't see where they'd go from one of the, where's the next step? You're in one of the best teams in the MLS. Where's the next jump to really improve your career? I'm not sure there is. So yeah, I see both of your points and they kind of work together in different ways. And then the so rare aspects interesting too, because you want to be able to model next season's performance on this one. And in Philly, with their coach in their systems, they don't change a lot around. So you almost kind of can extrapolate that. So I think it's 
kind of interesting problem there. So the one thing I will say about, you know, using this season to model next season, this is MLS. Like teams are not consistent year to year. There are wild swings uh, from one year to the next. And that's something that Mike and I have both kind of taken advantage of buying, you know, lower teams, buying teams that weren't as good, buying teams that um, people didn't have high expectations for, I'll say. And one of those teams was Austin. And Austin has been flying for most of this season. They mounted a small challenge to LAFC for the Western Conference, but they've now dropped a few games and have not been able to take advantage of LAFC also dropping a few games. They lost in Nashville last night. Wasn't particularly close either. Nashville, uh, it was a it was an even-ish first half, and then Nashville just put their throat their put their foot on the throat of Austin pretty early on in the second half, and it was pretty evident who the better team was. And Nashville now kind of going on this little run where we said at the end of last year, this team looks like a pretty good team. They fit the profile of what you're kind of looking for to make a deep cup run. And this year it's the same thing. They're getting hot at the right time. They've won, I think, four in a row. They're up to fourth. So they could potentially be playing playoff games at home, which is a big deal. Um, and obviously their their talisman, Hani Mukhtar, is, is a dude. He is charging hard for the MVP and I know you had mentioned earlier on that he was somebody that you kind of like to to get your hands on. So tell me about why you want to get your hands on Hani Mukhtar, even though he is performing at such a high level and he's very expensive, which is not typically what you're looking for. Uh, tell me why you still like Hani Mukhtar. Yeah. So first of all, he's German. <laughs> and uh, German <laughs> in the MLS uh, is always a special relation, nevertheless. Uh, but the next thing is his consistency right now. So uh, if you have a look at those star players, you have uh, Solarayan, for example, who has always stretches of injuries. Uh, he's really good and uh, up to can always score 100 if he's fit. But it's not very often the case. Then I decided to buy Renoso. He has the ankle injuries, this uh, inflammation or whatever it is. So it's really hard to get a star player putting out consistent scores and uh, then not get not being injury prone because for example the, the list is very long you, joseph martinez or whoever those are just yeah, they they are calling for a high price or vela high price but uh, it's always risky and uh, there we are back to portfolio you you have the set amount and you want to keep it that way so therefore you have to choose players that from your point of view and the history are not that injury prone, able to put out high numbers. And then, yeah, you, you have to have some luck that they are doing what you expect them to do. But this is, uh, I think, the, the most, um, the, the best arguments to play, to play for Hani Mukta. But right now, yeah, I'm hoping that in the off season, he goes down a little bit more and they, maybe there is an opportunity. But let's see, currently is simply he's flying and therefore way too expensive. The other one is really Driussi. I uh, last year, because you mentioned Austin, I, I really had a look at him. But yeah, there was no, no way around. I think there was always one ETH upwards. And uh, I think um, back there, one ETH was $3,000 or so. So for, for a starting budget, not doable simply. The problem last year with Driussi was he only had Zenit cards, so he was not on the market anywhere. He was not liquid at all. And now that he's on the market, he's had this fantastic season and everybody knows who he is. So, yeah, kind of the same thing with Talis Magno, too. When he was 
just coming up and not really establishes an MLS presence yet. He didn't have any cards, so it was, so you can buy him. And now that he's got cards, he's an established presence. Um, now, now, Mike, you call yourself a German national and you call yourself a big fan of Germany, but you don't have the greatest living German soccer player, Julian Gressel, in your squad. Defend yourself. <laughs> and I, had, I had him. If you have a look at my transactions, I traded him away. The thing is, um, I bought him because you. Uh, it, it was because of you, more or less, um, because of DC United. Now he switched to... Uh, uh, the white caps and uh, he's just not fitting anymore into what I want to play. So uh, I, I could play him isolated, just uh, using him for yeah, what specialist for for example, or the uh, now I think it, he still is U forty five L fifteen, so maybe do up there as well. But uh, the thing is, I, I want to then limit my teams because there it's really a lot of effort just uh, going through all the dmps and, uh, and the lineups and so on so therefore i try to focus a little bit more and he was the only remaining white cap player so unfortunately he had to go he's only four dollars in limited mike i think you can afford it <laughs> yeah i could i could <laughs> Oh, uh, no, that's funny. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about Julian Gressel and, and coming into the white cap system, which I think is a big upgrade for him from DC. He hasn't quite found it yet, but he's he's starting to kind of get there with Vancouver. The thing with Gressel is he could put up like he could put up big numbers at times. He's also going to put up some really dud weeks that are going to kill your lineups. Um, but if you're looking for kind of a boomer bust guy, like Gressel is very cheap. He's only 28. He's in a perfect system for him. Uh, so I actually like him a whole lot better in Vancouver than I did in DC. Um, and he's actually got an assist and a goal in the last three games. So he's, he's getting there. So, yeah, I'm just going to pump Julian Gressel a little bit. Um, Nashi, do you have any thoughts on Honey Mukhtar, Nashville, Austin, Driussi, anything like that? I think they're two candidates for the MVP for me this year. I mean, I know you were saying they were doing the chant, uh, giving Driussi a bit of stick over in Nashville saying, Mukhtar's a locked-in MVP, and it'd be hard to argue against him. It's a pleasant surprise, I think, for the league. And for me, even on, from a SoRare standpoint, I was looking at Haney Mukhtar in the off-season last year. He's a brilliant player. Um, but SoRare-wise, I was thinking, can he really do what he did last year again, which is telling both for his career in real life, but also on SoRare too, because he just seemed to pull out decisives and offensive actions in a team that isn't really set up for that. And he, if you look at the players around him with no disrespect, he hasn't got a, a flood of talent around him, you know, which is could be scary depending on how you look at it if they sign a couple of players. I know they got um, Ake Loba was a big signing for them and he just completely flopped and he's kind of making do. And part of that, yeah, he, Mukhtar does kind of do everything for their offense, but at the same time, maybe put some good players around him and he could he could go off. Um, he's on a long contract, which is good uh, for so rare for next season. He's a bit more of a safe investment from that standpoint. I'd be surprised if he went. It would be probably for big money after the seasons he had. But um, yeah, Nashville looking good. I actually watched a bit of that game too and it wasn't, it was end up 3-0, but it was kind of an even game. But I think to point out Nashville's strategy and how they work best and what they really what their game plan really is. This game is like the perfect model for it. They're in a tight game. They're playing defensively tight against a good side, a top side in the league. They get the goal from the set piece, Walker Zimmerman doing what he does. And then 
once they're sat back in their shape and teams are having to open up a bit more against them, that's when they unleash Mukhtar, some of their attacking pieces. They, they pretty direct, move the ball quickly, and they hurt you and they're clinical and they sharp shop at the back. And like if you sort of modelled out how Nashville really want to play in an ideal game plan, I think that was a game where it looked like it because it was a closer game than the final score suggests, obviously, because Austin are a good side. But um, yeah, it really it really worked out for Nashville, that game. And I wouldn't want to go one nil down to Nashville in a playoff game and be in this position, Austin, where where you think you can push, but then you got to, you're leaving up space for the likes of Mukhtar to really hurt you. So yeah, it was a telling game and uh, maybe a glimpse into what Nashville want to see going into the playoffs, I think. And I think the other thing with Hani Mukhtar, he's 27 years old now. Uh, he'll be 28 next year. So not, you know, he's kind of at that that point of his career where he's not really going to be moving up leagues a whole bunch. He's not really, you know, he's kind of found his level. And his, uh, his fiance, or they may be married now, his wife um, is from Nashville. He met her in Nashville. So she's probably not going to want to leave either. So even moving around within the league looks unlikely for Mukhtar at this point. And he is an absolute monster. To your point, they don't really have anything else, which I think is a good thing for him because he just has the ball all the time. There's no other, like like with Atlanta, all those guys would probably thrive in the Hani Mukhtar role in Nashville. But because they're all in the field together, none of them have the ball very often. So none of them can get into a rhythm. And so it just doesn't work for Atlanta. Um, but for Nashville, yeah, it's working yeah. out really, really well. The coach isn't coming off and saying, Haney, why didn't you pass to CJ Sapong right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right, you might as well right. go, you might as well shift it and try and curl it in or whatever. So, I mean, I do like Randall Liao as a player. Um, he's been injured this season a lot, but I, I, he doesn't do great on so rare. But in, in real life, he's a, he's a decent piece for them. But really, yeah, like if they had a real number nine uh, in that team, I think. Yeah, I think he could be he could be of absolutely frightening next year, uh, Haney again. So, yeah, another thing to look out for. But his price, like Mike said, is is reflecting his performances as it should. Prohibitive. But, yeah. So now <laughs> it's it's almost there's there is some downside to it, I guess. But yeah, happy for him. Happy for Nashville. Good to see it. So uh, we have maybe two more topics to kind of go over here, and one of them is uh, you you kind of mentioned a little bit before in your preseason planning there, Mike that we're getting to the point now where you're starting to plan for next year and you're starting to look at champions league. And obviously the champions league teams from the MLS will be the winner of the Canadian cup, which is Vancouver. If you haven't noticed that, which Julian Gressel again, uh, go by Julian Gressel. Uh, So we got Vancouver. We get the winner of the U S open cup, which will either be Orlando or Sacramento from the USL. Uh, We've got the winner of the Eastern conference, which will be Philly, the winner of the Western conference, which looks like it'll probably be LAFC. And then the winner of the MLS Cup. So those are going to be the teams to kind of to kind of target and go after. Um, out of those teams, is there obviously you've got an Orlando stack kind of going already, and you've already got kind of a Philly stack. Are you going to go after Vancouver or LAFC or potentially whoever wins the cup? I'm not quite sure about that yet. Uh, that really depends because I have an Atlas Guadalajara stack as well, who is uh, from the Mexican side and will take part. I got a limited team there. And um, if Orlando really wins, then I have the rare stack as well. And then I need some just so plan would be then to, to have four or five players, you know, four players to, to go for threshold because I, I guess I will not have. Um, 
I know uh, I forgot I have the goalkeeper, I have Blake then. So therefore I can feel the threshold team. Then one, I would, I think I would play a stack in America because otherwise you have, simply have no chances. So the Orlando stack completely in the America. And uh, then I got the limited uh, Mexican team and I'm nearly good. So if there are some, let's say, occasions where I can get players cheap, sure, I would jump on the train. But then there will be not something very specific anymore because there is simply, um, I, I don't think I can play in America super rare. It's simply, simply no use there. And then I have All-Star and America in rare, and I can um, play the America Limited as well. And I think this is um, nearly as good as it can be. But Orlando has to win first this week, so fingers crossed for that. Or, or not. They have our former – Sacramento has our former goalkeeper from the Riverhounds, so we're rooting for Sacramento. Um, but uh, we'll talk about a little bit about uh, – planning for next year as well some of the young guns because obviously you like to to kind of go for the younger guys that aren't proven that are maybe going to break into a team next year so where are you looking what what guys specifically are you looking at that you think could take a pretty big step forward that are a little undervalued right now yeah the thing is uh, as you know i'm not watching those guys so therefore it's uh, pretty easy uh, i just have a look at the draft and uh, top five, tip, top six. And then I ha had a look at who, who was already playing. So, for example, Kip Keller had some opportunities. Seems it uh, was not that easy for him, but nevertheless, he was, I think, top four in the draft. And therefore, I uh, could have a breakout season next year, especially. Uh, you never know. They, uh, Austin has a little bit of issues uh, at the defense. I think Coscanti is the one set, but the others are a little bit rotating all the time. And so therefore, this one is uh, one I hope uh, that can go into the uh, into the team. Second one is Matt Real because if uh, Kyle Wagner is leaving, he would be the um, the one. The, I think on the left side then set hopefully because there are two more or one more at least. But uh, I think he's the go-to guy and he had two appearances last five games and even uh, had a goal. So I picked him up in in rare limited. And then um, next on the list have been Yosini Buda. Unfortunately, he is injured right now. I think he has two or three uh, appearances. Uh, seems um, yeah, not, not that big ones, but nevertheless, is uh, a forward. And if a forward breaks out uh, next season, this is real good money. So therefore, you, you can't miss out on him. And uh, then, yeah, the, the, the usual suspects... Um, I think the, yeah, Ben Bender, I got myself one because he, he was the one I think really surprised everybody because he was he played in the very beginning for Charlotte and even had some good scores. Now Charlotte is going down a little bit currently and therefore he yeah he's, he's simply too young. He's not the one then leading the whole team. But next year could be a different season and therefore he's a, a go-to guy for me as well. And uh, Baker Whitting, for uh, the Sounders, but at, at, sec at 16, a little bit too young, maybe. I'm not quite sure if he gets any appearances next year, but maybe the first ones. And uh, what I um, have on my list still is Obed Vargas. You, I think you have one, uh, but currently out with an injury as well. So these are the, the top five guys, I think, uh, which 
you at least should have on your on your on your list and go through it and check if you want to to have the one yeah limited or rare card maybe even super rare but those are a little bit yeah big of a gamble so I'm sticking to limited and rare currently. Some decent shouts there, Chris. I know you've got your your finger on the pulse with some of these. You mentioned Chris Brady, someone you're excited <laughs> about. Who else is uh, who else is standing out for you? A couple guys you got your eye on for next season. Yeah, so I think Mike did a really good job of mentioning the draft from last year, which obviously we covered on the on the YouTube side of things a little bit more than on the podcast because the podcast wasn't started yet. But for those that weren't around at that point, we said basically the draft is all the guys that are coming out of college and they're coming up to the pro level. And it's a big, big step up in terms of competition and talent and speed and all that stuff. So typically you're not going to see guys year one start or even play very much. But a lot of times you get these really talented, you know, MLS level. They're not really going to move to Europe, um, but they're just very talented MLS level type guys like Walker Zimmerman came through the draft. I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's tons of other guys that have come through the draft. Matt Turner came through the draft. Um, but we said, basically, it, it takes them a while. They're late bloomers, right? They're 24, 25, 26 is when they start to be pretty decent. So a guy like Jack Meher, I think, was a was number two overall in 2020, I want to say. Um, he's a guy that has had semi-breakouts with Nashville. He's gotten into the team and then lost his place in the team and then gotten into the team and then lost his place in the team. He's a guy that I really like. Um, you mentioned Asani Buddha, who was one of my favorite players on the draft. I think he went ninth to San Jose, but I really like San Jose next year. I think they're going to have a the U.S. assistant coach is going to be their uh, new head coach. And they've got a lot of good pieces. Like Jamiro Montero is just a really fantastic player. Um, they've got some real talented players there. So if he can break into that team, that's a good shout there. Um. I mean, there's a ton of other guys that are just dirt cheap that you can kind of go through and and just take flyers on. If you want a more um, like higher class or like bigger breakout potential type guy, like I'm a big, big fan of Jack McGlynn, any of the three Philly guys, well, really four Philly guys, Brendan Craig, uh, Jack McGlynn, Quinn Sullivan, and uh, Paxton Aronson, all fantastic players, all relatively cheap for what they could potentially be. But with those types of guys, you always risk, you know, that move to Europe and then kind of losing some value there. Um, McGlynn is probably the most risky of the three because I think he he it's possible that he gets a move this offseason. Um, the other three, I don't think have really broken through enough, but you never know with these types of things. DC has a couple of guys, Ted Cudi Pietro, I'm keeping my eye on him. Uh, he's a little more under the radar type guy, but Jackson Hopkins was on that USU 20 team. Uh, they're really good. So, I mean, there's tons of guys that you can get for, you know, two, three dollars in limited, twenty, thirty dollars in rare that potentially could break out. Jacob Schaffelberg is another one that I really like. Schaffelberg's a forward. He's just moved from Toronto to Nashville, which I think is fantastic for him. You're talking about putting pieces around Hani Mukhtar. He's kind of more of that like deep lying midfielder type of a position. Um, They've got three good midfielders with uh, Davis, McCarthy, and Annabelle Godoy. But McCarthy's getting old. Godoy's getting old. Davis is still pretty good. But, like, they could slide Schaffelberg into that other spot and have a little bit more threat going forward. Um, all these guys are, are pretty much dirt cheap. So I think there's a ton of, you know, 
talent out there that could break out. So like, you know, kind of Mike said, don't just look at who's been good this year. Like don't just try to buy Hani Mukhtar. Um, definitely take a look and you can get some, some really good players at, at some pretty decent prices. And then I guess the last one that I'll mention here before you, we kind of wrap things up is a guy that had a ton of hype coming into last year. He was the second best player overall in the 2021 season, but he's been horrifically bad this year. Injuries all over the place. Hasn't had any assist. I think he was like fourth in the league in assists last year. And Mike, do you know who I'm talking about? Jack Price. Can only Jack be Price. Him. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's pretty much dirt cheap. And if you want a real like swing for the fence home run, like really, really big boomer bust, he's still only, I think, 29 or 30 years old. It's not like he's past his prime yet. And I think Colorado kind of hits the reset button a little bit. I really like Diego Rubio in Colorado. Um, and I'd like Giassi Zardes up top. I, I'm not a big fan of Zardes overall, but I do like that he is going to be that poacher. Um, so that is going to give uh, give some chances to Price to get some more assists. So coming off a zero assist season where he's been hurt for half the year, I think uh, Jack Price is a decent buy low candidate as well, which I think you have a Jack Price too, if I, if I saw correctly there, Mike. Yeah, I got a rare one. And maybe I had a limited to it uh, because I have... Yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, more and more. So I have um, a Lando stack. I got a um, Colorado stack, which unfortunately hasn't worked out that well this year. And I got some Portland guys. So these are my big, uh, and Minnesota. So these are the four teams that uh, my investments are the biggest. And uh, the thing is, currently I'm working a little bit, maybe completely different topic, but um, I'm working out how to win um, cards. And uh, currently it's, it's getting way and more, way and way more um, tricky. And uh, I think what I would try at least is to stack a little bit more and uh, put out the whole team. But then you have to have a quite good defense and an offense that could um, really score two or three goals. Otherwise, uh, the score will simply not add up. And yeah. hopefully next top Colorado <laughs> can do that. Yeah, you, you pretty much have to have your team win two or three nil, which in the MLS is very rare. So um, I'm not a big fan, especially in the MLS, of, of stacking full teams. But um, yeah, that, that might be something for another day. Any other questions for uh, for Mike here, Nashi, or topics that you want to bring up before we wrap things up? No, that was great. I was, appreciate you coming on. A completely unique perspective there coming in with an investment mindset. And uh, yeah, it was really good to hear some of your points. Uh, appreciate you, Mike. Thanks a lot. And maybe in, uh, we can talk uh, in half a year or so, and I can tell you if it, uh, my investment strategies worked off then. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on in the preseason next year to tell us how much money you've made and you can all <laughs> buy us dinners and everything for, uh, for everything. So we really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Good